Hello and welcome to the first in the podcast series, The Midlife Kitchen. And today we are going to be talking about eating well, living well, the midlife way. My name is Sam Rice. And my name is Mimi Spencer. And we are The Midlife Kitchen. Um, So Mimi, The Midlife Way. Um, How did it all come about, Mimi? Why are we talking about midlife? Well, you and I have been friends for feels like centuries, um, but quite a long <laughs> time. quite a long time. Uh, we met at the school gates, as so many people do. Uh, and over the years, we sort of grew up together in terms of our diets and our nutrition and the things that we were concerned I about. I always used to say, Mimi, do you remember, they say we were food sisters and weight sisters, because we always seemed to be either on diets at the same time or trying to lose half a stone at the same time or putting on half a stone at the same time. And it was a bit of a preoccupation, wasn't it? It was. And we both of us had nutritional backgrounds, so I I wrote The Fast Diet with Dr. Michael Mosley, um, which was the first 5-2 book that came out and went on to write recipe books about that. And it was marvellous, if I might say so. It certainly worked. And um, that led into my general interest in nutrition. And of course, you had your nutritional interest from Gosh, your book. Yes, I did. So basically, I didn't start off food writing at all. I um, went to Plumpton College and studied wine, uh, which, you know, people might say, well, that's a bit of a weird thing for someone who's writing about healthy food. But actually, um, it made me think about what I was eating and drinking and really quality over quantity. And also about your palate. And I think this is one of the things that we started to talk about when we first came up with the Midlife Kitchen, is that as you age, when you get to a certain age, your palate changes a bit and your taste for carbohydrate-based fuel food and alcohol actually Mm. changes and you start to seek out more layered flavors perhaps more savory flavors less sugar and it's more about the pleasure of eating it and drinking it I suppose you know you want to sort of put things in your mouth that are interesting they're you know the the layers of, of flavor and texture are there and where you perhaps would just sort of plough your way through a bowl of creamy pasta. Now it's much more about, say, an interesting salad. I just couldn't salad. face that sort of thing No, now. I know what you mean. I mean, it sounds weird. If someone had said to me 10 years ago, you actually will eschew French fries, <laughs> I would have been quite surprised. You'd punch them in the face. <laughs> I would have said, <laughs> you don't, know me. <laughs> you don't um, know me at all. Yeah. Um, but actually, that's exactly what happened. I'm not saying I don't like chips. I'm just saying I would generally have one or two if they were on the plate, but I wouldn't be like, ooh, lovely. And that's been a natural gravitation towards more interesting and, in fact, more healthy ways of eating. Absolutely. Um, and that really was the starting point for this book. Mm. Um, and the second element that was so important is that we were ageing, like everybody, we're all ageing. Mm. But when you get to a certain point, and for me it was around about the age of 42... Yeah, well, same s- for me, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's a curious age. It's yeah, not 40. It that no. you start to notice the differences. But at that age, I was looking at my face in the mirror and I saw my lovely mum looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your skin changes mm, tone definitely. and your complexion alters. Perhaps your skin's a little dry, your hair might change. I think also people around you start getting sort of mini and sometimes major health scares, mm. you know. I mean, you know, um, you know my background, Mimi, because you know, my father died young and my brother had uh, died young from diabetes. So... There are all these things that are influencing your thought processes and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I should really start looking at myself and what Mm. I'm doing. And actually, we should probably introduce our book because we haven't really properly introduced the book. Uh, This podcast is all based around our book, The Midlife Kitchen, Health Boosting Recipes for Midlife and Beyond. But it's much broader than just really talking about food and ingredients. Really, it's talking about hitting the middle and what that means for people and how we respond to getting to this stage in our lives. And in fact, the publication of the book 
last year, the hardback came out and the softback has just recently come out, um, came at a time that people were beginning to talk about midlife in a different way. And when I was growing up, being middle-aged was considered a bit of a sin. It was something you sort of tucked under the carpet and didn't really talk about. And there was this sudden uh, growth of interest mm. in this period of life. It was a midlife moment. A midlife magical moment. Um, <laughs> and we rode that vanguard in a way uh, mm. when the book came out. And women started to talk, and men in fact, but women particularly started to be able to talk about the menopause. We started to read a lot more mm. about things like bone density, Um, stuff that that happens to you in midlife that in fact you can do something about Mm. I think think going back to the man thing so it's a good point because I don't think midlife has ever been portrayed as such a negative thing for men you know men have never really been told that they should stay young and beautiful Um, women have through the ages really been you know that's that's been what's been important whereas men it's kind of the whole silver fox thing you know getting Mm. older isn't necessarily a bad thing um, and actually, we feel now the same is starting to happen for women. You know, women are starting to be looked at differently in midlife. Well, I've, I was always aggravated as, as a fashion and beauty and food journalist that the general tenor of opinion was that we should all seek to stay younger for longer. Um, and in fact, our point in the book, and, and our point really as women, is that we would like to embrace the process of ageing. We are emphatically pro-ageing, not anti-ageing. Mm. And we see this period, you know, it's got its issues, but it's actually a period of opportunity. And actually, um, I think the watershed probably for both of us was our children getting that little bit older, because you're in a bit of a fug, aren't you, up to a certain point, if you have children. I mean, obviously, if you don't it's the same issues but perhaps the timing's a bit different but you get to sort of your mid-40s and suddenly your children are a little bit more independent and you suddenly you have that moment where you think actually things are going to change around here mm. you know and I am going to be able to think about myself and my but own it's a time and... that you can be you can afford to be a little bit more indulgent of your own requirements and tastes and we found that we're no longer cooking you know fuel for our kids always because mine are often out Um, so the fridge has come back into my ownership Mm. um, and that's brilliant so things like tempeh and tofu um, are appearing on my plate and to Uh, be honest you know I sort of now think well if the kids don't like it tough they can have beans on toast but I'm going to make this gorgeous thing and hopefully they'll eat it and if they don't well we'll have to give them something else but I'm not going to eat what they eat that's quite right and the other element that feeds into that is that our book looks globally at at culinary cultures that seem to embrace health and well-being on the plate um and so there's plenty of recipes from places like japan and india um, but also of course in bali which is where you live yeah exactly i mean i think it was moving to bali that was one of the catalysts for thinking about food in a different way because I don't know if anyone out there has been to Bali. Most people seem to have been on their honeymoon, as far as I can tell. But it's a fantastic place where there is that symbiosis of food and health. And it's um, intrinsic. So, for example, turmeric is a good is a good ingredient that they use on a daily basis as kind of like a health insurance policy. It's a developing country. You know, people don't have access to great health care all the time. So they think preventatively. And, 
you know, I think traditionally turmeric has been used in that way. You know, they know almost anecdotally and through experience that it has health benefits. And now actually the studies and the science are sort of catching up with that. But there's a drink called Jammu. It's in the book, actually. It's a, a turmeric-based drink. And it's, it's traditional to have that every morning, have a shot of it every morning and get those health benefits. So those kind of little ideas are woven through the book. And we've taken a lot of inspiration from places like Bali. We have. We? And one of the things we did right at the beginning of the book is we worked out what our guiding principles would be for writing this um, and it's boiled down to what we've called rather grandly the midlife manifesto um, and there are seven things that really all of the recipes in our book they all tick these boxes. So why don't we just run through what those are? Yes, it's quite important because I think this will give you a flavour of where we're coming from, you know, as opposed to maybe some of the other health books that might be on your shelves. I think the way we differentiate ourselves is through this Midlife Manifesto. Um, So the first point, uh, and it's incredibly important, particularly as you get older, is variety is vital. And what we mean by that is, Uh, as you age you're you're trying to get you're trying to cram as much nutrition into your diet quite often from fewer calories because as we get older um, your metabolic rate does slow down and you you can't really eat the same quantity that perhaps you could before so make sure you're eating a wide variety of nutrient-rich ingredients. And when it comes to nutrient-rich, this leads on to our second point, which is the whole truth. We really think that a balanced diet needs to have as many whole foods in it as possible. So it's it's whole grains, it's whole fruits, um, and that way we get uh, much more benefit from our food rather than eating highly processed foods. Yes, I mean, you know, none of this is rocket science, but it's worth just saying that, you know, all these ideas underpin our recipes. Um, and so I think it's really the basis for good eating without overthinking it. So anyway, moving on to number three, which is a really important one, less sugar, better fat, good carbs. I mean, that just makes complete sense to anyone who that knows anything. That would be tattooed, anything. wouldn't it, on that our foreheads? That, that is a mantra. And I think everybody does know this. Now, less sugar, what do we mean? Well, less refined sugar. You know, you don't have to cut out sugar, but the sugar you get should be from whole food sources. So we use That's it. actually a really good point. Um, we don't suggest that you restrict anything, really, in this book. It's very no. abrasive. Um, it's very diverse in terms of its ingredients. But refined sugar is... It will spike your blood sugars. It will. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having something sweet. But, for example, we use dates a lot. We use, um, you know, fruit-based sweetening sources. So that's kind of what we're getting at there. Better fat. Obviously, we all know now fat is crucial in our diets. But we need the good fats. We need the omega-3s. And we don't want the, you know, overly processed uh, fats in our diet. If we picked our fat of choice, it's going to be virgin olive oil. Absolutely. um, Or just olive oil plain if you're using it for cooking. uh, Extra virgin if you're using it something raw. All the studies keep coming back to that being it's the heart health, heart health, heart health. Absolutely. And all the other oils, you know, seem to be a bit controversial, but there's never been any controversy, controversy around uh, olive oil. And finally, good carbs. This is quite important because carbs have been really vilified, haven't they, um, recently? Mm. And we're real fans of carbs. because You need carbs for energy. You do. And you just need it to keep you 
you sort of need it to be satiated. You need it actually interesting for hormone balance. It's very important in um, particularly women as they get older, their endocrine balance. So, you know, good carbs. Now, obviously, we're talking there about whole grains and we're talking about legumes and all those kind of um, sustaining foods. And actually, lots of the recipes in the book are, again, building up these layers of flavour, but with a basis of these three things, less sugar, better fat, good carbs. Um, and you end up with a really tasty bowl of food mm. that's going to keep you filled up. And that's really the key in the It is, life. it is. And that actually leads nicely, well done Mimi, onto our fourth point, which is taste comes first. And I would say actually this is probably the, the manifesto point that we talk about the most mm. because our food is healthy for sure. You know, we've researched that to the nth degree, but... More importantly, it's tasty. So every single recipe that we develop has to be delicious first and foremost. And I it has think to be an 11 out of 10, you it, always say. Yeah, you? it has to be 11 out of 10. And it took quite a lot of work to get them there. You know, when we're recipe testing, something might be a nine and a half. How do you get it to 11 out yeah. of 10? What do you do to really, you know, keep that bar high when it comes to taste? And actually, one of the things we do do is one of our manifesto pledges, which is small changes, big difference. Um, and this is the idea that you can tweak and pimp a recipe to get more health credentials in it. And so that might be adding seeds using nuts. It might be lowering the sugar content. Mm. And um, so there are, in the book, you will find absolutely masses of tips on how to get as much health crammed into your, into your food Mid-life as Midlife tweaks, Mimi. Midlife, Mid-life tweaks. tweaks. But it is important because it all adds up to really quite a a big change and a sustainable change. But I think the other thing, if we're talking about sustainable change, I think our next Midlife Manifesto point, easy does it, is crucial. You know, these recipes, they have to be doable. They have to be things you look at and think, oh, yeah, I'll whiffle that up. Mm. Not, oh, my God, you know, I haven't got this. I've got this, to get 17 got new ingredients yes. and I'll never use them I've again. I've got to trek across town yeah. to get my the, the latest fancy berry or whatever um, is the trendy ingredient of the moment. It's not that. It's definitely not that. There's nothing in there that's going to be particularly unfamiliar or Everything scary. Everything is under 30 minutes in, time to the, in terms of the time yes. it takes to produce. And that leads into our final midlife manifesto pledge, which is something old, something new. Everything is familiar. There's nothing in this book that is going to scare the cat. Uh, there's nothing that's going to make your hair stand on end and think, well, where on earth am I <laughs> going to find a you know, yeah. tamarind juice? Um, <laughs> so we have basically used familiar ingredients in familiar ways and tweaked mm. it. Quite a lot of the recipes actually are kind of you know, quite familiar classics. I mean, one of my favourites is the smoked mackerel pate we do. You know, I make it a lot and it is so delicious. But the the way we've sort of pimped it, the midlife way, is we use Greek yoghurt as, as the sort of mixing agent as opposed to sort of sour cream or creme fraiche or sometimes butter is used. Um, so it lightens the whole thing up and it's much, much healthier. And then we add in flavour, we add in chilli flakes, we add in lemon, we add in dill and it just becomes something truly magnificent and you can't get enough of it that pate is so incredible and what you're doing is you're getting all those brilliant omega-3s from that smoked mackerel um and actually that on a bit of seedy soda bread for lunch 
makes me quite hungry. I know, I'm feeling quite hungry now. Well, I think we've pretty much covered the Midlife Manifesto. That is our set of guiding principles for our book, The Midlife Kitchen, Health Boosting Recipes for Midlife and Beyond. And in our next podcast, we're actually going to be going into a little bit more detail about our midlife ingredients, the ones that are specifically good for midlife. And we call it the Midlife Larder. Um, So we will be covering that next time. We hope that you will join us. And for now, happy cooking. Happy cooking. Bye.